Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Well, good morning to you all. How about those Astros? Yes. Praise God. Someone was at, somebody asked me, uh, uh, somebody from Dallas was saying, hey, do you think the Astros, you know, how many of you got the sick feeling when they lost those first two games? You kind of get that, that oh, 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 man, this may not go well and all that. And uh, the beauty of being a, a, you know, one of these pro athletes is what makes them great is, is a short memory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze spiritual something out of this, just trust me. Uh, one of the things that uh, you guys know, uh, uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a quarterback, not for God's team. Uh, so we're still. But Brett Favre was known for he threw the most touchdown passes of anybody, but he also threw the most interceptions. And uh, and the point of that was he had an ability to throw an interception and forget about it, go right back out on the field, rear back and sling the football in an impossible hole about that big and hit it. And a part of that's just the ability to forget the last mistake, get back up, and get out there and hit somebody. And if I could say anything to our church, I'd say, forget your last mistake, get out there and hit somebody. Uh, I, I love, uh, I think it's really great watching the, the strolls get up, but I, I really do think there's something to be said. Paul said it, and I say it every single service. Philippians chapter 3, forgetting what lies behind. We think that means years ago. I can tell you, you could have messed up last night, yesterday forget it. Get back up. It is a new day. So there, I pull something spiritual out of the Astros. And uh, there, so continue. And uh, Bregman is, uh, again, got the Holy Ghost, so let's just continue to pray. He stays. He's broken that uh, slump. Anyway, hallelujah. So uh, open your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 5. We started this series in Matthew chapter 5 with this verse, and we're going to conclude this. This is called... um, what is this series called? We've done it now. We've been in it a long time. Uh, this is church. Salt and light, this is church. Salt and light, this is church. And we started it actually out of this. It's been that, this has been the longest we've been in a series for a long time. I do want to encourage you, uh, starting next week, we're going to uh, start a series that's in answer to your questions. Uh, back in April, we sent out a questionnaire. We always do. What's on your mind? What would you like to hear about? And one of the questions was on the person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what is a baptism, what is power, all of those things. And it was too much to answer in a one sermon type thing. And so we prepared a series for you. And throughout November, four Sundays is not enough, I'll just tell you. But we're going to, you know, we're going to try to do our best in four Sundays to really get comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's here. Uh, it's more, he's more naturally working in you than you even realize. And sometimes if we can figure out how to point to his, his activity, you can go, oh, he's not the weird one and all of that. So uh, I just want you to, anyway, prepare yourself for that. But this is church. Everybody say, this is church. This is church. We have been looking at our vision and our mission for here at The Crossing because God's called us to do something more than just build a big building. We are going to do that. But it has very little to do with, with physical property. It has to do with what God has planned for us as we move forward, and we're going to need a lot more room to do what he's called us to do. And a part of that is just understanding that God has called us to restore, this is the vision, to restore every person to God and to the life God created them to live. That is why we exist. It's, it's the gospel, it's just the way we say it, to restore every human to God and to the life God created them to live. We do that through our mission. These are the things that we're constantly, these are the four and only four things we constantly are working on with you and with ourselves, and that is that you would know God, say this, say know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Make a difference, aka get out there and hit somebody. Make it happen. And so uh, we've talked about a lot of that, but this week this is called the Make It Happen Church. And uh, so I just want to talk about this. Uh, we started in Matthew chapter 5, and if we could, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, let me reread it, and uh, this is the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be uh, hidden. 
nor people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt and light, that's what the church is about. And if I could say it this way, Jesus was teaching the message that I'm trying to teach you this morning, and that is salt is just simple, it's ordinary, everybody, it's not terribly spectacular but it has influence and it changes everything if you put it on your food. All salt has to do is just show up and be what it is, and it makes a difference. And uh, instead of thinking in very grand and spectacular terms and taking you through a 14-week series about who you are and figuring out who you are, I would say, you know what, just show up, because honestly, the call of God on your life is probably a bit boring to you because it's who you've been your whole life, and you don't see it as anything that big a deal. That's what salt is. I'm a salt guy, by the way. I know we've got doctors in the house, and so y'all can send me the emails, I know. But uh, I keep a salt shaker by my man chair so that during the football game, I can add salt to things. I'm, I'm a salt guy, my wife will tell you. And uh, uh, so, but, but salt is a very simple thing. The same with light. He's not talking about some spectacular light. He's talking about a candle. And he's talking, gang, to just hundreds and hundreds of very ordinary people that he gathered on this, this uh, mountainside, and he started his very first sermon. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I want you to come into the world and make a difference. Be a difference maker. I want to show you some difference makers uh, just to give you a, 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 an idea. Uh, David Skinner goes to our church, and uh, David Skinner is a difference maker. Some of you, uh, you say he goes to our church. I mean, you rarely see him uh, over the years when he is in town, and it's rare. He is, he's here, but he's a missionary, and, uh, so, and I know some of you are thinking, oh, he's a missionary. Of course, he's supposed to be doing this. H hang on, hang on. Uh, David was raised in Hollywood. His dad was a movie exec. He had lots of money, a chauffeur, uh, a butler, and all of that kind of life, and when he came to Jesus, he, he had the American dream and uh, handed, it was right there for him. If you ever talk to David, too, by the way, you'll realize you'll walk away from the conversation going, that guy is smarter than I am. That is a brilliant dude there. He's probably got a genius IQ. Uh, he is well-read. He'll bring up things. My point being, I used to think missionaries were guys who couldn't find anything else to do in America, so they just got cursed to go you know, get in a, a boat and ride up the Amazon for eight hours. Uh, David could own anything he wanted, do anything he wanted. He walked away from an inheritance to follow Jesus. And if you talk to him right now, he could care less. He loves doing what he's doing. What he does is in the, he's in the Amazon and has been for the last couple of years. Um, in the Amazon, these tribes, they don't have written, they don't have a written language. And so he does, he translates the New Testament into these jungle tech uh, recorders that have jungle tech battery recharging mechanisms out there using the sun. Uh, he, he translates it, finds a translator for these different tribes. They speak it, and he hands them the New Testament, and he couldn't ha be having more fun than doing that. And he goes village to village doing that. This man is a difference maker. If you ever have him, if you ever get to sit and have lunch with him, let me tell you what to ask him. Ask him, tell me the weird things you've eaten while you've been a missionary. I'm just gonna tell you, I could ruin your lunch, your dinner, your halftime snack, and your breakfast. I could, I could ruin it all right now. You cannot believe what this man has consumed. And uh, I, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm dying to tell you too. I, it's just too hard. Anyway, David Skinner's a difference maker. Here's another one, uh, sh show the next picture there. These are some precious kids that did not have school uniforms. And uh, in our Monday, in Jan Gothi's uh, Monday Night Girls, I, I forget what they're called, the Bible Girls, the Go Get Them, what are they called? God's Girls, they're God's Girls. Well, then, of course, then there you have it. Uh, these are God's Girls. Uh, they've been meeting forever and ever and ever. And uh, one of the ladies came in and said, hey, uh, I know of some kids in Africa that don't have school uniforms, let's pray or whatever. And then, and then the, the girls got stirred up and said, hey, let's just buy them, let's just take up the offering, let's just be, you know, let's be difference makers. And uh, sure enough, they did, and these precious kids, and that, that's a small picture of them, but these precious kids all got school uniforms because a need came up. They, they hadn't been lying awake for years going, God, we just see kids in purple uniforms. A need arose. They simply met it. Gang, that's what making a difference looks like. Let me show you the next difference maker. Show, me, show the next picture, gang. 
Uh, now, Brandon's a handsome man, but I'm actually talking about his precious daughter, little V, Miss Vivian. Vivian, uh, her, her strength, her idea was she makes truffles. Her business is called Here Comes Truffles. She, she's uh, seven years old. <laughs> seven years old. Here's the deal. She needed uh, about $600 to go to, to church camp. And so her parents said this, we want you to raise your own money. And, she, and, and uh, the K-parts have been great. Uh, Mallory also did very, very similar. But here's what they said. We, we want you to, tr- to pay for yours and for somebody else's. She committed to scholarship at seven years old, another child at 600 bucks a pop, and she sold, I mean, who, who could turn down that face, first of all? <laughs> I, I bought a few truffles myself. <laughs> but a need came up. She said, what can I do for Jesus? I make truffles. And you know what? A seven-year-old not only paid for her camp, but scholarshiped another child. That's making a difference. Yeah, let's give little V a hand. Precious baby. Making a difference, it just means, it, honestly, it's, it's show up and meet the needs. Just, just show up and meet needs. Jesus is talking to these guys, and he's saying, hey, look, all of you out here, you don't have to be spectacular. You can be salt and light, which is just ordinary, but when it shows up, it makes a difference. Well, he's about to, he's about to turn the, the, the sermon at that point. It's kind of like you know, your current purpose and destiny type sermons where everybody's going, oh, yes, I feel good. I have purpose and then he kind of rocks their world. So before he rocks their world, I want to go back to the opening sentence of the Sermon on the Mount because it's going, to, it's going to matter to you. And my first point is going to be this. I want to show you the biggest, the greatest gift you've been given to, to have an impact and to make a difference. Everybody here has it. Everybody has what I'm going to describe today. And it is your greatest opportunity to be a difference maker. It's counterintuitive, but stay with me. How many of you were taught in school, you're, you're op- when you're writing a paper, your opening line should, should describe what the theme of your paper is going to be. Opening line, opening paragraph, you need to state what that's going to be. You need to hear when Jesus starts the sermon, the, the, whole, the whole sermon that follows is about what he describes in the first sentence, and it says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are the saved people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What on earth does that mean? Let me read it out of the message. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what it is most dear to you, those who mourn. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, meekness. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, hungering and thirsting for God, for food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I mean, if that's the point of this, the longest sermon he ever did, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Just a bit of an idea so that you understand. You know, when you're, when you're poor, it means this, I need something, but I can't supply it for myself. I need it, but I can't supply it for myself. Now, that's a hint. Let, let me go on. Jesus says, be salt, be light, be influential, make a difference, get out there and hit somebody, all you common folk. He's saying that. But then he follows it with the sermon starts to go south in a big hurry. And he says this, you folks... If your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you can have no part of me. Well, now, please, I mean, you got to hear that the, the sermon just went, bum, 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 because these folks feeling like, wait a minute, you're saying for us to have influence, we've, we've got to be righteous. And now you're saying we've got to be righteous beyond the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And even though they were hypocrites, to, 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 to Jesus' listener, these were folks that were the most righteous humans they, they knew about. These guys memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. All of us here obviously have done that. It was a big deal back then for them to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. If they had 10 black-eyed peas, one of them was tithed off of everything. They were meticulous tithers and prayers and worshipers and be at church and honor the Sabbath and all of that stuff. And the common people understood that these are the holiest people we know. 
And Jesus said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, you can have no part of me. The room gets uncomfortable. And he goes further. He says, I didn't come to, ab to abolish or do away with the law. I came to fulfill it and to understand what the law is to be fulfilled. I say, the, the law says that if you murder somebody, you are liable for hellfire, hellfire. Now, I grew up hearing about hellfire. If you've murdered, I, I say that if you even, if you get angry and call your brother a fool, you're guilty of murder and hellfire. And then he says, regarding adultery. The, the law says if you commit adultery, you are liable to hellfire. I say if you even think a lustful thought about a woman, you have committed adultery and you're guilty of hellfire. Seriously, the room is starting to go, oh my God, we would love to be difference makers, but to be difference makers, you need to be perfect like this. Regarding your enemy, love your enemy. Don't hate your enemy. Regarding divorce, do not get divorced. If you get divorced and you get remarried, you've committed adultery, liable to hellfire. Thing after thing after thing. He said this about uh, lust. He said if it, it would be better for you to pluck both your eyeballs out and enter into heaven blind than to keep your eyes and lust. Now, gang, after saying, you are it. You're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Go make a difference. And in order to do it, here are the rules. Do you remember the opening statement? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What was Jesus doing? He was wanting to create in the room exactly what's in this room, which is who could? Jesus, I, I want to, but I can't do it. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. That was the point. He wasn't saying, you guys need to walk perfect like this. He was saying, the weight of the law is such that when you try to take it on, it makes you buckle under its weight where you go, who could ever do this? Jesus was saying this, I will do it on your behalf but I want you to stay very aware what it means to be poor in spirit. It's not just poor in spirit until you get saved. It means poor in spirit while you're saved, all of your life, you need to stay very aware that you are not your supply. You need to stay very aware when you think about the law that it is by grace, not by you. It is a gift from God that I'm giving you and you stay aware of your grace need. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And if you stay aware of that, the weight of this law, if you stay very, very aware of that, then uh, th that is what, I'll read a little bit more for you. That is how and, and you begin to discover what it is inside of you that is your most valuable, your most valuable gift or the most valuable way you can actually make a difference. Pastor, how in the world could that, could that be possible? Um, tell you a story. This is back out of the out of the Old Testament. Now, don't turn there. Gen Genesis thirty-two. Um, Jacob has uh, come, has deceived his father out of uh, the inheritance, and his name means surplanter. It means deceiver, and he's come to a place in a campsite where the Bible says, and this is why it gets a little weird. It says that an angel came during, to the campsite and that Jacob wrestled with the angel all night long, and in wrestling with him, he was telling this angel, and by the way, this is a picture of Christ. This is called by uh, theologians a Christophany, which means an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. So the real picture here is this. Jacob, this deceiving individual, who everything he had gotten, he had gotten uh, by just deception. He's wrestling with Jesus, and uh, he says, Jesus is saying, let me go because daylight is coming. And Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And so this angel says to him, what is your name? He says, my name is Jacob. It's deceiver. And he said, no longer will your name be Jacob deceiver, but your name will now be Israel, which means my prince or the son of a king or the son of the king. And when this angel, this, this appearance of Jesus, when he said that, he reaches up to Jacob 
and he, he sets his hip out of socket, right? And it says that from that point on, Jacob, for the rest of his life, walked with a limp. Walked with a limp. Let me ask you a question now. Does anybody here know who Jonathan McReynold is? Yeah, I know my wife does. Jonathan McReynolds, hey, hey, seriously, get it on your iTunes. Singing machine, godly guy. I, I came up with this story because he has a, a, a song that is groovy, but I couldn't figure out what it meant. I'm sitting there working out with weights, and Jonathan McReynolds is singing, keep on walking with a limp, 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 limp. Keep on walking with a limp, limp. There's a little section in this song, and it's groovy, and I'm thinking, that's... What? You know what I'm saying? Like, hallelujah. What? I, I say this because if we were looking, trying to put this story and say, this is a picture of salvation. This guy meets Jesus. His name and his identity was one thing. He had been living one way. He meets Jesus. And by the way, anytime you see something weird or strange that you don't understand in the Old Testament, back off from it, take a deep breath, and, and remember, the whole book is about Jesus. It's about how you get to God. And if you can back off and go, wait a minute, how is this point to Jesus? Sometimes that will help you figure out what it is you're looking at. In this story, it's actually pretty beautiful. J Jacob, with one nature, comes uh, to this garden. Jesus meets him there. He wrestles with God all night. And uh, then, then God changes, Jesus changes his name and says, no longer are you identified this way. I see you as a son of the living God, as a prince. But then he sets his hip socket out of joint I mean, what, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell God, God, you know, this story would be better if he had limped when he got there and Jesus touched him and he, he, he walked better afterwards. That makes more sense, right? Why is it in there like that? Here, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus wanted him to walk with a limp the rest of his life to remind him of where he was when he received the most grace, when he had the greatest grace encounter he ever had. Here's, here's where I'm going with this. We as kind of the current Christian church, we don't relate well with weakness, right? We kind of cover it. We have what we call our Sunday best. And uh, we don't relate well, and, and you know we're here in the Bible Belt, we do it a little better, but I want you to know, out there in the, these great United States, we're not known for being great with relating to people's weaknesses. We're not known for handling and confessing our own human weaknesses. In other words, we cover up our limp. And when Jesus is preaching this sermon, and he's putting this this high bar and saying, you need to be all of these things. What he's saying, he's dropping weight on us because here's what he's wanting. Actually, when Jesus, you and Jesus encounter one another, he wants you to limp away from that situation. And here's what I mean by that. When you get saved, when I get saved, when we all get saved, our sin is forgiven. We're made right with God. But And some, and some things, perhaps you had an addiction, some things are left at that altar, but every single one of you, when you walked away from that altar in about a week and a half or a day and a half or an hour and a half, you started realizing, wait a minute. I mean, am I really saved? Because I still have this thing inside of me that still wants to sin like it did before I went to the service or before I said anything. And because nobody wants to actually talk about it, we put on what we call our Sunday best, and we, we cover up our limp. One of the things I love about our church here is it's a, it's a pretty safe place. It's not absolutely safe. There's nothing but human beings here, and I'm one of you. One of the things I love about here is we're, we're trying desperately to give people permission to walk with a limp. But we come to church, and we go, hallelujah. Hey, good to see you. Hi, how are you? Right? And we turn to one of the kids. You stop that right now. I'll yank you out of ooh. Hallelujah. Good to see you. How are you doing? Fantastic. How's your marriage? Look at this. It's fantastic. We're doing fantastic. How are your kids? Perfect. Perfect. 
And somehow there's something that got into our heads at some point that said to be a believer, we've got to be good representatives of Jesus. And to do that, well, gosh, just go look. And I remember the preaching that came out of Matthew chapter five and six and how it was applied. You people that got divorced, shame on, I can't believe this. You've gotten remarried, you are committing adultery. I remember the preaching that sounded like that, dealing with lust. The Bible says if you even think it, you're guilty of lust, liable to hellfire. And so the truth of the matter is there isn't a soul in here that can make that standard not even come close. And that was Jesus's point. His point was to say, I want you to get in touch with the fact that you are a beggar in spirit. Those who are impoverished, who realize I can't supply what it is I need. People like that extend the kingdom. They were listening and they were probably thinking, gosh, for us to be salt and light and be difference maker, we've got to be perfect. But actually he was dropping a weight on them to say, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is I need you to relate to your weaknesses and I need you to realize you are always going to be impoverished in your spirit and dependent on me. And your influence on other people's isn't going to come because you act perfect because nobody's really impressed with it because they're faking it and they know you're faking it and nobody wants to call the game. You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't, you impress people by your strengths, but you connect with people through your weakness. Tracking with me? You impress people by, I've, I've got it all together. What I was saying a while ago is when you got saved, all of you that are born again, and some of you are churched and over-churched, but when you got born again, your propensities towards certain areas of sin did not go away. You ever thought about it? And see, even, even now, everybody's being just like, if I shake my head, that means everybody will know I have one of those. <laughs> like, please keep talking, but let me yank the sheets off of this thing. Got, listen, okay, I'm fixing to, let's just get it real in here. Uh, I, I've been in church forever. And so I know how, I know how this goes. I know how to do church. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to uh, small groups at Chi Alpha at Sam Houston State. And, I, and, and uh, so I started realizing some potentials for freedom, for honesty, really, when I started going to smaller groups. Because uh, sometimes we'd meet in some trailer or something, and I'd go with these college kids, and they were much more open to talk openly. And I started realizing that, you know what? Everybody's not perfect, and I'm not just a unique, fouled-up person and here's what I started to realize. When somebody actually relates to their weakness, I can connect to that. When somebody's acting all, well, the Bible says, and the Lord does this, and this morning the Holy Ghost said to me, when they're doing all, you know, putting, the, putting on the, you know, the show, you know, maybe I'm impressed, maybe I'm not. You know, I was so cynical at that time, I wasn't. And I'm not diminishing hearing God and walking with God and walking holy. I'm not saying that. But I am saying I found out what made a difference in my life. That's when somebody else who limped like I limped was honest about it. When they'd say, hey, and they didn't act like I don't get it. So, uh, so I do groups, and we believe in groups. And when I became youth pastor, I, one of the things I was most excited about was to take our young men uh, through Maximized Manhood. Some of you would remember that, uh, Ed Cole's materials. And it's pretty harsh, it's pretty direct, but back in the day, that's, that's what we had. And uh, here's the deal. So I'd have 12, 13 guys in one of our groups, and, uh, and it would be a mix of guys. It would be a mix of churched kids who know the rules. With me? And then there'd be some newbies that hadn't learned the church rules yet. Okay, so what, what are the rules? Here, here's the rules. And this is for everybody in a group. If you've been church for a long time or over church, you know the rules. The rules is you sit down and you've had your snacks and all of that and it, there's, there's some point of get real time and everyone's a little nervous just how real are we going to get. So the pros in the room know this. You confess something but not, not, a, not, a, not a biggie. You don't go for the seven or the eight or what you're dealing with right now. If you're a pro, here's what you do. Back in 1996, Man, I was awful. I really had a struggle with fill in the blank. And all the other professionals around that are in the group will go, oh, wow, 
that's fantastic. And you're free now, totally free, totally, totally free. Uh, you know, but I just want everybody to know, you know, I'm being open. You liar. <laughs> but if you're smart, you're testing the waters. You throw out a three because you don't know if your 10 is safe, but you've got one. And so it goes around. So I had these students, these kids, and, and I had a couple of these. And I remember one of them just that was just, uh, just, he was a con artist of all con artists. And uh, we'd be in the group, and he had put on the act, and he would throw it out there. Yes, no, I've been reading my Bible, and blah, 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 all this. But I had a couple of kids that were just, eh, just, just, just missed the memo. And, uh, you know, I'd look over at one of them, and they'd go, oh, bro, I've looked at porn every day this week. <laughs> and, uh, and it would be kind of shocking, like, oh, you mean in, in, in uh, some years ago? I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't go, we don't talk about no last night, bro. Oh, I feel terrible. Uh, it's like no, you don't. Hey, well, look at the time. Well, let's just pray. I mean, let's get some more something to drink. And he has sidekick with him, and both of them are just super, just super. Yeah, I was smoking some dope this morning too. Bro, oh, bro. And it would freak out, it would freak out the, the pro kids that were overchurched because they didn't know what to do with that. It's like, oh, wow. But we were having one of these sessions, and, and uh, one of them, I'll tell you who it is later, I've been tempted to call him, but, but one of them that was just a poser, uh, he finally went, okay, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. And uh, it just opens up opened up the whole group because since we don't train or figure out how do we relate to our weaknesses, the fact that we can't be all perfect and we read a sermon like that and think, well, Jesus is saying we gotta be perfect to have influence. What he's saying is, no, you actually have to realize you're not perfect. You have to become impoverished in spirit and start to relate to your pain. And if you'll do that and look for people that limp the way you limp, even though you're saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost and all that you wanna put to it, even to this day, you still limp a little bit or a lot of bit. That is how you have impact. What would happen in that room was when somebody would get just gut level weird real, it would, it would uncover all the posers, but it would also give them permission to go, you mean it's okay? Pastor, what, what are you saying exactly? Are you saying that once you get saved, you can keep sinning and it's okay? No, I'm not saying that practicing sin is okay. I will say this, you're not just gonna quit like that. I am saying that, and I am saying this, there's no, I know in church, now again, for the pros, uh, if you're a professional church, basically in about six to eight weeks, we give you to get it all cleaned up, right? <laughs> Take the class, go through, it's a six-week class, now it's okay while you're first getting saved, you go, but hey, after that, we kind of expect results. And uh, so uh, let me yank the covers off of that. Um, if I were God and I were creating salvation, I would say, look, come to the altar and I'm gonna deliver you from all temptation and I'm gonna take away the lamp. But God is not, his goal is not to perfect you. It's not the goal. His goal is to reach the world and restore the whole world to himself through you. And nobody would be impressed with you talking about all that you got right. Do you want people to lean into your life? Show them your limp. You know, bro, I've, been, I've watched porn every day this week. You know, the guy that comes up and go, I totally get that. Pastor, you're saying these are saved, baptized, and have received the Holy Spirit. They're that, yes. Do you know why? No arbitrary timeline on healing. And I will tell you this. Even, and you know, I've confessed struggling with lust in my early days, you know, back in 1996 and all that. Uh, no, here's the truth. Could I tell you I'm walking in practice pretty pure? I can say that. I don't say that with, trust me, I don't say it with a ton of confidence though. I've learned something. I know me. I know that that propensity Though I, uh, listen, Jesus was tempted. There's no shame in being tempted, gang. And for us to act like, you know, hey, hallelujah and all of that, I mean, it's, it makes it safe. 
But the truth is, do, do I know that if I get tired or if I get discouraged or certain, I know certain uh, things, certain atmospheres that if I get in, that old medication will start to look for, I'll start to look for that medication on the inside. I know how to possess this vessel, but I don't trust me. I don't trust me. Pastor, you're saved? You know the Bible and it is, isn't it supposed to be all this? No. I limp there. And you know what? My greatest opportunity, I mean, I love to preach. I love to speak the word. My greatest impact is when I find somebody that limps similar to me who thinks it's, they're just devastated and the world's over and how could this be and all that. You know what? The most impact I'll ever have and you'll ever have it won't be by all the advice that you haven't had to work to find grace for. It'll be your grace altars. It'll be where you, and it may not be sin. It may be long periods of time where you had to stand for God. I'll read you the scripture, make it make sense to you. Uh, boy, I'm skipping a lot. All praise be to God, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of, source of all comfort. He's the source of it. He comforts us in all our troubles so that, everybody say, so that. So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Your weakness, my weakness, my difficult times, even though I hate them, and again, if I were God, I would just take those away because I'm, I'm thinking of trying to make life easy. God's not interested in making your life easy or making you perfect. Jesus did what you cannot do. He's trying to reach the world and restore them to him, and there's nothing but broken people out there, and they can't relate to a perfect church. And you know what the good news is? There is not a perfect church, and there's no perfect church people. People who make a difference are people who are very in touch with their limp, and the best opportunity you have, it's not studying a bunch of things that you don't struggle with, is to look at that struggle and start to relate to your weakness, not so much as a disqualifier, but as actually a gift, because you've got to learn. Some weeks ago, I preached a message on just talking about the different pressures I was dealing with, and I kind of confessed. I've had some anxiety nights diving out of bed at two in the morning going, ah, struggling just with anxiety. I have a tendency to have a collision of eight things that all need an answer right now, or at least in my mind, I think they do. And I'll get these anxiety kind of attacks or whatever, and uh, and here's what I have to do. I have to calm myself. I have to begin to think of Scripture. I have to press into God. And eat one by one, I have to, by faith, hand those to him until we can find solutions for him. That's part of leading. That's part of anything you lead. You're going to have traffic collisions in your head. And for me, it's created some, some serious anxiety. I, 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 I put that out there. And some of you, and I mean this so, I'm so thankful for you. Some folks reached out to me to say, hey, Pastor, let, let's sit down and have coffee. I think I can help you. I think I've got some counseling help. I think I could help you with that. And uh, someone else sent a sweet email. Listen, I, and, and I'm not too proud to receive counsel from anybody. I, please hear me. But what rose up in me was, I, I appreciate it, but Paul says it this way. These light and momentary troubles are actually working for me. They're actually working for me. The goal isn't always to relieve the pressure. That's American. Sometimes that pressure is causing me to learn how to get to a grace bucket, a grace well, and there's no other way to learn it. Going to Bible studies, it's very good, but you don't learn it and really know it till you go through it and figure out how to dig that well for yourself. And something in me when the help was extended, and I, I, I appreciate the heart to extend it, but something in me just said, no. No, I don't want to let go of it yet because what it's doing between me and God is more valuable than being free of the pressure. That might sound weird to you, but it makes me stronger and somebody who's dealing with these you know, six-car collisions in your head of things that need answers from you and you're the only one and all that anxiety that rises up. I can help you because I'm, I'm, I'm fighting it right now and learning how to be a better person recipient of that grace. Don't be afraid of your weakness and what you're struggling with. God will use it. It's your greatest opportunity, actually, to be a difference maker. Does that make sense? All right. One simple thought here. 
totally different thought, a little more practical. To be a difference maker, you need to be faithful with now. Everybody say now. The Bible says now faith is. Let me read you the scripture. This is out of Zechariah 4.10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. What in the world does all that mean? Okay. Zerubbabel was trying to build a grand temple. This was the dream, a grand temple for God. It was a mess. Architecture was a mess. There was piles of stuff. He couldn't get the job going, and all he had was the level. He was just trying to get this stone to level with this stone so they could just start, and it was overwhelming because was, it was just a small, mundane thing to actually get the work going, and Zerubbabel was discouraged. He had a dream of what it was supposed to look like, and he had just the mundane, hardly anything happening today. But here's what the scripture says. God loves to see things begin. And so even if it's just leveling, if it's just a plumb line, God's saying, I love to see that in your hand. Here's what I'm saying to you. Being a difference maker, there's a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, and you can find thousands of books in your Christian bookstore about destiny, and purpose, and they're good, okay? They're good. I say it with sarcasm, and because it's, it's, it's kind of a fad subject, so take it, just, I'm, I'm messed up. But there's a lot of that out there, and here, here's, my, here's my rub with it. We celebrate dreaming, like dream, and dream big, and you should, but you can live your whole life dreaming, because here's the beautiful thing about a dream. You can make it anything you want to, there's no risk involved. You never lose when you're dreaming. You win the Super Bowl every year when you're dreaming. It's perfect. Everybody loves you when you're dreaming. Uh, you know, you, you, it's a movie about you, and they carry you off on their shoulders on a, with a confetti parade, and oh, we love it. You can dream anything you want to, and God does really put dreams in your heart. Dream them, please. I'm not saying don't. I'm saying, I'm saying we can have a dream and go, God, when's the dream gonna happen? Here's what he's saying. What do you got in your hand? I'm dreaming that all of Israel be set free from Egypt, but dear God, don't send me, Moses. How? I'm a shepherd. I got a stick in my hand. Okay, throw the stick down. You're gonna raise that stick up. It's gonna part water. I'm gonna use what's in your hand. I heard a great message from Brian Houston, and he said this. Don't despise what's in your hand because it's not what's in your heart. Be faithful with today. Ordinary, plain old today. Give you a quick example. My precious wife, beautiful with the Kate Upton outfit on, and she's better looking than Kate Upton any day of the week. But anyway, uh, my precious wife is a soul. She loves to see people saved. It's not that I don't. I, I, I guess I don't as much as sh she does because, uh, and, and by the way, don't get uncomfortable with that. We all have gifts and certain things that drive us more than others. I want to see people saved, but when I go to a restaurant, I, I just want to eat. <laughs> she wants to, you know, make it awkward with a waiter there. And if she sees an opening, you know, she'll start trying to start a conversation and drive it that direction. I'm thinking, I just want my tea. Uh, I want you to go to heaven and all, but first. And, uh, and so that's just how she's wired. That's part of how she's built. And uh, so we're, we're in England. She, she, we're in England, and uh, we're traveling on a train, and uh, we're trying to get back to, to London so that we can uh, catch a flight. And we're coming from some, somewhere in the south. And so it's morning, and people are diving on the trains. If you've ever been travel there, they dive on and they dive off. Well, we got luggage everywhere, traveling with a couple of friends, and uh, this girl gets on the train, and, uh, and to me, it looked like a cocaine thing back from my day. That's the only drug I was really aware of, uh, but she had the big black rings under her eyes. Man, her face was just, you could tell she had, she had done a lot of drugs or a lot of some kind of a substance, and, and I mean, when she got on the train, I mean, she was, she was all over the place. And uh, man, as soon as I saw her, I thought, oh, dear God, don't let Stacy see her because, I mean, we've we're, <laughs> we're got people everywhere. There's no secret talks 
you know, when you're like this on a train. And uh, man, sure enough, like just, just like a, uh, I mean, she, she, was, she just spotted her and just went into a zone. And sure enough, this girl goes up and she finds some seat and Stacy goes up beside her. And I, I couldn't hear what was happening, but I could see them going. And Stacy was just desperately, the spirit of the rescuer rose in her. And the, the rescuer wants to rescue. And it's a godly thing. I can see that Stacy's trying to talk to her or whatever, and she would be looking at her, and then she would, she would just fall asleep, and then she'd be up and smiling, and yeah, and all. She, she was not coherent, and Stacy was desperately trying to communicate something to this, this poor child, and she did need, did need help. Well, finally, she, she goes down for the last time. She, she just passed out on that train. And I, I saw it, and I thought, all right, Stacy, you've done good. She's out, out, game over, hallelujah. You know, let's just pray and trust and all that. Well, Stacy's intensity didn't lower because this girl was completely otherworld at this point. And I see Stacy pull her Bible out. And gang, you gotta know that my Bibles, my paper Bibles, they're, they're, they're treasures to me. I've written in them, I've lived with them, I've cried on them, I've got notes out on them, I've got dates on them. She pulls out her Bible, her Bible Bible, and begins ripping pages out of her Bible, rolling them up, and tucking them in this girl's jacket. Girl's asleep, doesn't know what's going on. Not one, not just two. She just starts turning through pages, turning them out, rolling them up, and sticking them. This poor child looked like a Christmas tree before we, we, we got out of there. <laughs> and at some point, we had to get off the train, have no idea. What happened? I guarantee you, she, to, to this day, she's walking in her closet and some scripture's falling out because my wife loaded her up with all this. I mean, here's the deal. Uh, Stacy could have called it quits. She could have said, there goes my opportunity. Uh, she's not gonna get saved, all that. And who, know, I, who knows what happened? But here's the deal. This is what I can do right now in this situation. I can do something, something right now. Might not seem bigger. I can do something. And here's what I would encourage of you. There's something, there's some act you can do. And to you, it probably will seem, again, very mundane, like salt and a candle. Who cares? But if you don't do it, lives go unreached and untouched. It might be something small, might be just a gift, might be just a smile might be taking some stuff that really isn't yours to take, but in that moment, somebody needs to blow off some steam. Might be going over to your neighbors. Might be cutting your neighbor's grass. It might be something very mundane. Uh, not cutting your neighbor's grass. That's a huge deal for me. So anyway, the point being, there's some opportunity for everybody every single day, and a part of being a difference maker isn't waiting for the dream to happen. It's being faithful with what's in your hand today. Simple. What's in your hand? What can you do? Make sense? I want to pray over you because I believe there's, there's, there's a work going on in our church and through our church. A part of it is a permission-giving work of the Spirit that says you get to be as broken as you are and you get to start right where you are. And the reason you have permission is because all of us are still in process. We're all, we all limp. Not, nobody in here walks straight. We all fake it. Everybody limps, so you get to join us. Those people get to be a part of us because that's the design of Christ. And as well, there are some very simple things and you just trust the Holy Spirit as you get into your day. And you may not plan it. Opportunity may just, it may just show up. Some opportunity, just stay real sensitive to those opportunities. It might be in the grocery store, school. You don't have to plan it. Just be ready. Just, just be ready. Just start your day tomorrow, Lord. If you present an opportunity, I'm going to do my best. If I have to, I'm going to take my Bible so I can rip stuff out of it if I have to. But I'm going to, I'm going to be a difference maker. Yeah? You can make truffles. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love and honor you. And Lord, I believe there are gifts and callings in this room that have set idle, not because of evil, but because we've looked at what I do is just not that big a deal. Who I am is just not that impressive. And Lord, right now, I just sense you lifting that. 
You're just looking for somebody to say, here I am, send me, and I don't have to get a bunch of credit, and I don't have to get a trophy for doing it, Lord. The rest of the Matthew 5, 6 sermon says, do what you do in secret so that your Father will see it. Lord, we'll practice taking control of our motivations, the selfish motivations, the see me and look at me and honor me motivation for doing Christian acts. We'll subdue those and just say, God, just use me. I don't need applause. I just wanna know you see it and that you're pleased. God, I speak that over this church. I speak it over myself. I speak it over those that are serving at doors right now. Thank you for everybody that opens a door, picks up trash, holds a baby, uh, helps somebody get to their seat, drives a cart. Lord, thank you for all the serving people that are making a difference in this, this church. And Lord, thank you that as we scatter from here over the next coming days, people in this church right here are gonna be making a difference in our community and in lives for the sake of the glory of God. I pronounce that over this church. I call callings to come awake. Awake, O oh sleeper and compassions and burdens to be awakened in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Gang, let's stand to our feet like prayer teams to come to the front. As we dismiss, if you need prayer for anything under the sun, gang, take advantage of these folks that are up here. They're, they can help you with physical healing, emotional healing, marriage. Uh, sometimes you just have something stuck and you don't even know why you need prayer. You just know you do. Come let these folks pray with you, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day and thank you for what you're doing in our church and in our lives. Lord, our final act of worship, Lord, it is to come before you with our tithes, our offerings. It is to bring our, our finances to you. And Lord, for some people in this room, the greatest distraction to their life is the financial stress and pressure that they are under. Lord, I, just, I speak, God, over them, Lord, uh, God, just as they act today, as they take an act, it might be a dollar. It's just a way to start. Lord, some people today are going to say 10%, 10% of my income, man. Lord, we're going to start today, though, to entrust our finances to you, and we're going to bring our tithe. We're going to bring it. It's not getting forced out of us. We're going we're gonna to bring it to say, Lord, our family, we're in. We're in. I trust you with our finances. Lord, for all of us that are bringing the tithe, Lord, would you bless it in Jesus' name and bless these families. Lord, for all the families here, some that are saying, I just can't get there. Lord, whatever they've purposed in their heart to give, I thank you, Lord God, that financial strain and debt and all of that stuff is getting broken in the name of Jesus, all families in this room. It is our joy to bring to you and entrust our finances to you. Receive it as an act of worship and as an act of obedience from each of our families, Lord, as we do bring that to you. And Lord, for the rest of this day, Lord, bless this great congregation and accomplish your work. I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.